I do want to take a minute. So uh, this morning we're going to hear from Pastor Bob Coates, who is, he's been serving as interim pastor at First Baptist Church of Malvern. He started that in the beginning of October. We just celebrated a merge as our two churches together. It's always been his and Donna's intent. Uh, they were just here for an interim time. Now they're going to go take a little break. They need a break even more than they realized from all that, all that this has entailed these past many months, and we're so grateful and thankful for them. Um, so I want to uh, invite Bob and Donna, if you guys would just stand up and come stand here. I'm going to pray for you guys. Let us all pray for you together. They are just a dear couple. I invite you to seek them out and at lunch today and get to know them. Um, they love the Lord very much, and they have served so faithfully. And Bob, you've been in ministry for how many years? Fifty-five. Fifty-five years. And he's technically retired. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like that. And I'm sure Don is like, he hasn't retired. So we're so grateful from the bottom of my heart for, for you guys and for your love and care for God's people and for what you've done for this church. So let me pray for you. Yes. Father, we, we thank you for the service of these two faithful saints. Thank you for their love for people, their desire to see the gospel go forth. Thank you for Bob's desire to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that he's done that for 55 plus years. Thank you for Donna's desire to make that same gospel known and for ministering so faithfully to people for these many years as well. We pray, God, as they go now... Um, on from this interim time here, that you would just give them refreshment, um, that they would be able to just rest for a time and, and know that that is faithfulness too. And uh, Lord, that you just have further fruitful ministry for them wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, knowing that they are lights and ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know from personally interacting with them, they just exude the gospel of Christ. And so we just pray that they would be lights wherever they are at. Bless them now. Be with them, we pray. We thank you for their service and their faithfulness. Thank you for saving these dear saints. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 And we have a small gift for you guys uh, from Valley Creek Church. Um, so here's some flowers for you. And uh, there's a card here with uh, a little monetary gift for you guys as well, just as a thank you for all that you've done. So we're so appreciative. And Bob, now as part of his last official Sunday with us, is going to bring God's word for us. Um, I'm going to read uh, the passage that Bob's going to be preaching from, and then we will get to hear from Bob himself. So let me pull this up. Pull this up. Listen to our. Listen to what we do. Pull. I'm opening a, a Bible, and I say, "Let me pull this up." <laughs> it's not. All right. So I'm going to read from Psalms. Psalm 104, 24 to 35. How many are your works, O Lord, and wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both small and large. There the ships go to and fro, and the Leviathan which you formed to frolic there. These all look to you, to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. 
May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to Him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So Donna and I are going to retire again. Can you imagine that? We're going to retire again. But then I put there at the, at the introduction, re, re, and I could add another re, 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 retirement. <laughs> Can't you just picture Donna and I as this elderly couple stopping at Pizza Hut for lunch. And after they finish their lunch, they leave the restaurant and they resume their trip on the road. And when leaving, the elderly woman, not you really, but elderly woman, no, unknowingly left her glasses on the table. And she didn't miss them till they had been driving for 40 minutes. Woo. And then to add to the aggravation, they had to travel quite a distance before they could find a place that they could turn around. You know what that means. And what a hassle it was. Well, on the way back, the husband became the classic grouchy old man who fussed and complained and he scolded his wife relentlessly and the more he chided her, the more agitated he became. And he just wouldn't let up for a single minute. And to a relief, they finally were arriving back at the restaurant and as the woman is getting out of the car and trying to hurry to retrieve her glasses, the old geezer yells out at her, well, while you're in there, you might as well get my hat and the credit card. I still love that joke. I know that I'm getting older, but I still love to preach, and I still love being a pastor. The Lord has trained me well. I'd rather wear out than rust out, just sitting around doing nothing. The Lord has called this soon-to-be 79-year-old pastor ministered as his servant and his warrior. We are living, I believe, in some very wild times in our country, in the world. I really do. The conditions of our world are getting worse and worse. With evil crime on an uptick, corruption, treason, polarization between people, between groups and cultures, and trying to make us against each other and setting us apart from each other. Satan and his cohorts have been doing this for decades, folks. Within our society, whether it be in politics, school, science, medicine, or also within our churches, it's been happening. You name it, it's been going on. More than ever, we need to be focused on God. We need to be focused on Jesus Christ through the power of His Holy Spirit. And that is why this merger is so important to keep the gospel going on in Malvern and being preached right here in Malvern. And did you hear those city officials last week? They are so thankful this is happening. They are so thankful. Wow. City officials. The history guys sitting next to me 
said, I'm going to put that in our historical archives. You know, I said, wow. But so many times, we do lack God's power. And so many times, we need to be revived. We need to be renewed. We need to be rejuvenated. But how do we find out how to do that? How do we really fix the problem that exists, not just with within all churches, within Christians today? How do we get fired up? Now, I'm, see, I would love to jump right now, but my legs will not tell me to do that. <laughs> will not let me to do that. But I got one more story for you today. The young nun who worked for a local home health care agency was making her rounds. And when she ran out of gas, as luck would have it, there was a gas station that was just one block away. So she walked to the station. She was going to borrow a can to get enough gas to start the car and drive it to the station for a fill-up. But the attendant regretfully told her that the only can that he owned, he had just loaned out. But if she cared to wait, I'm sure it's going to be back shortly. Well, since the nun was on her way to see a patient, she decided not to wait, and she decided to walk back to her car, and she started looking around the car to see if she had something that she could carry to the station to fill it with gas, and she spotted this bedpan that she was going to take to the patient. And always resourceful, she carried it to the, you know, she carried it to the station, and she filled it up with gas, and she carried it back to her, the car very carefully, you can imagine. And as she's pouring the gas into the tank of her car, one of the, one of the men who are watching her across the street said and turned to the other and says, I know that the Lord turned water into wine, but if that car starts, I'm going to church this next week. Wow! Wow! Fired up from within. The late Dr. Norman Vincent Peale knew that if we were going to get fired up, then we need to build a real fire within. He tells the story about one businessman in his church who was going to fire a certain employee because this man was so slow and so dull and so sleepy. He was a total bumpkin. He was a nitwit. But you know what Dr. Peel suggested? He suggested instead of firing him out of the business, why not fire him into the business? You mean build a fire in him? No, not a literal fire. But build a fire in him that he really finally gets excited and gets motivated about what it's all about in that business. And the employer decided to do it. And he reported back that the man is a ball of fire. He's so enthused about the business and was doing so well. More than ever, we need to build the fire of the Holy Spirit within every believer, within each body of believers today. Believers need to really, fully catch a hold of the Holy Spirit with excitement, with enthusiasm. That's what it's all about, folks. That's, that's God's Spirit in us, firing us up, firing us up from within. And that comes to a passage that, that's on your thing, and I think it's there from Acts 1.8, that we can read it together. There it is. 
but you shall receive power. Read it with me. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's it. That's it. And the other scripture that I wanted to read is from Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is really what Acts is all about. Excuse me, I get that dry when I get preaching. But anyway, uh, this is what Acts is talking about. Told us and the church was founded, but you shall receive power and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and everywhere. And on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were filled with the power of the Spirit when a mighty rushing wind came and they were filled and they spoke in other tongues. The question that is before us is really this. Is the church renewable? Are we renewable? Can we be made new again? Can we be revived, restored, regenerated, rejuvenated? Can we be fired up? And our response comes in form of another question. Is creation renewable? And that's where the Psalm 104 came in. It gives a resounding yes to that question. As it gives a praise to God as the Lord of creation, of earth and the heavens and the water and vegetation, the moon, the stars, the sea, all human life. Praise to the living Lord and creator of all. Read with me together a Psalm 104, verse 30. There it is. Let's read it together. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. You renew the face of the earth. God's presence in the world is always a renewing one, a renewing spirit. Each morning brings new life. Spring brings new growth. Sleep restores us. Rest revives us. Nourishment regenerates us. Rain refreshes us. I mean, thank God for the storm we had last night, right? That is refreshing because we've been in a drought situation. So praise the Lord. And sunlight renews the growth. These are all the passive happenings. They are the result not of what we or the trees or plants do to his creation, but of what God's actions do to creation. God, the Lord Almighty, renews creation. He renews and restores the earth. And so it is logically follows that He can renew and restore each and every one of us and His body of believers with the power of His Spirit so that we can rejoice together. And so there comes the other two verses that we're going to read together from Psalm 104, 33 and 34. Let's read it together. We will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. 
May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. Amen. As I rejoice in the Lord. That's the kind of challenge that we need. It's a Pentecostal challenge. And we will, Pentecost Sunday is very soon down the road. But we can rejoice in that because to be filled with the power of the Spirit, to be renewed and fired up. And so what I want to do today in my challenge as I, as I kind of fade in the sun here, maybe I'll be back. They tell me I might be back. But as I do that, I want to give you some principles of a renewable church. And the first principle on the back side of that is preaching and teaching the whole gospel for the whole world. Yes, many churches today are preaching and teaching, but so many of them are not really preaching the whole gospel for the whole world. My alma mater, Eastern Baptist Seminary, now Palmer Seminary, used as their motto for years this whole thing, and it expresses the truth of how Christians and churches can and will continually be renewed all the time by preaching the whole gospel for the whole world. And this is how we can truly respond to the challenge of our Lord in that great commission. We aren't talking about religion in general that so many churches or so-called Christians practice that's so wishy-washy and so lukewarm and even agnostic and atheistic. I'm sorry to say that, folks, but that's the truth. What we are talking about is a faith that is solid, that gets down to the specifics and believes in the wholeness of the gospel, like the story that is found in Mark chapter 12, where they were disputing and they were arguing. And one of the scribes asked Jesus, you know, Lord, Jesus, well, what is, what, is the great, what is the greatest commandment of all time? And they really thought that they had Jesus, you know. I mean, what is the greatest commandment out of over the 600 laws in the Old Testament? Come on, Jesus, give us an answer if you, if you can. And that is where we find the answer. Follow along as I read from Mark 12, 29 through 31. The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. And there it is. There is the heart of preaching and teaching. And this is what we what they were about in those days, but what we should always be about, as I know you are about today. We should love the Lord with our whole being, our whole action, and if we do, we will love our neighbor as ourselves. Think about it. There's a third commandment there, folks. You need to love yourself, too. You've got to love yourself. If you're going to be a witness for the Lord, you've got to love yourself and love what he's done for you. Amen? Amen. All right, second, second principle. What makes a church great? What makes a church a church? <laughs> One time, a churchgoer wrote a letter to the newspaper, the local paper, to the editor, and complained that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday. He wrote, 
I've gone for 30 years now. And in that time, I have heard something like 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, I can't remember a single one of them. So I think I'm wasting my time, and the pastors are wasting theirs by giving sermons that no one remembers. Oh my, can you imagine all the letters that came into that editor? I mean, letters of, it was raising up the real controversy and everything else, and it went on for weeks and weeks until someone wrote the clincher and said, I've been married for 30 years now, and in that time my wife has cooked some 32,000 meals. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu for a single one of those meals. But I do know this. They nourished me and gave me the strength that I needed to do my work. And if my wife had not given me those meals, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today as well. That's it. That's what we're about, folks. That's what we are supposed to be doing. That's, what, that's, what, that's why it's important to gather together, as the Scriptures tell us. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Third principle. Accepting and treating everyone as Jesus would. The principle of a renewable church has always been a part of my life and part of our ministry in every church that Donna and I have served. It always becomes more relevant and real as we become open to all the people, no matter who they are or where they come from or what religious background they have or what culture they have. We are ready to serve new people and never look down upon them, and I know you are the same way. It's so important. I mean, it's much more than giving our Thanksgiving baskets or our Christmas baskets or whatever. It's having open arms to accept People in Jesus' name. And I believe one of the mission statements that I've developed over the years says it so well. The mission of the church is to accept and treat everyone as Jesus would. Bring people to a personal relationship with him and disciple all believers to be Christ's witnesses to the world. And all of this is based on the parable that Jesus told of how we treat the hungry, the thirsty, how we welcome strangers, give clothing, visit the sick, visit those in prison. What did Jesus so clearly tell us to do? And it's found in Matthew 25, 40. Let's read it together. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did it for me. I love that principle. It's so vitally important. The principle of a renewable church is so essential if the church of Jesus Christ is going to be vitally Christian and if the church expects to grow and be blessed by the Lord in their ministry. Because we all need the fourth mark. Branded by love. Unconditional love. That's what it's all about. Did you hear about the pink sheep? I I wondered if you did. You know, the sheep owners in Scotland, I've learned this as a Scottish person, the sheep owners in Scotland mark their sheep with certain colored dots. Well, this owner 
decided that he was going to be a little more and have them stand out a little more. And he painted all of his sheep pink. Can you imagine that? They were, their brand was pink. And you really knew his sheep. We Christians are not branded with pink, but we mostly certainly should be branded with the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it's so important that we Christians live up to that. And that's the last verse I'm going to have us read together from John 13, 35. Let's read it. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen. Make sure that your church is branded by love for each other. This is so important. Churches need to stick together. Christians need to stick together because we are moving into a new world. I believe that, folks. We are moving into something that I've called the Third Great Awakening. Because there was a first one way back in the early 1700s before the Revolutionary War. There was a second one after our nation was founded. And some people have tried to say there's others that happened. But I believe the Lord has been telling me very clearly that there would be a third great awakening. And it would not be just this country, but the world. The world. And the Lord told me this. And i got to tell you, I won't get too long, I promise. I'm so excited to be alive right now. I might be turning 79, but boy, the Lord has told me that I want to be alive when this starts happening and when we start seeing worldwide revival. That's what we need to be seeing, folks. And I believe the Lord is doing because He said, I'm going to bring my people back. And I always knew in Romans, it's just a tiny verses there that said, my people Israel are going to come back as well. It's just, it's just beautiful. So get ready. Get excited. Because you're going to be on the front lines of it right here in Melbourne. You're going to be there as other churches are going to be there. And yes, you can call me back to preach about it once in a while if you want to. I don't care. It's all right. As long as the Lord gives me breath, I'm going to preach for Him. Amen? Amen. I still got time. I still got time. The final renewable point. Do you know where you are going? When the late Billy Graham was 94 years old, it was only a few years ago, Leaders in the Charlotte, North Carolina area invited their favorite son to a luncheon in his honor. Billy hesitated to go because of his Parkinson's disease. Oh, but they said that we don't expect a major address, sir. Just let us honor you. And so he went. And after all the accolades, Billy came up on his walker, came to the rostrum, and he said, I am reminded of Albert Einstein, the great physicist, who Time magazine named the man of the century. That one time he was traveling from Princeton, where he lived, Princeton, New Jersey, by train. And the conductor came down the aisle, punching the tickets of all the passengers. This is back, way back. And he came to Dr. Einstein, who reached into his vest, but he couldn't find the ticket. 
It wasn't in his trousers. It was not in his briefcase. It was not on the seat beside him. And the conductor finally said and told him, we know who you are, Dr. Einstein. Everyone knows who you are. Don't worry about it. And, and so the conductor kept going down the aisle and punching the tickets. And as the conductor was ready to go into the next car, he noticed Dr. Einstein was on his hands and knees now looking for his ticket. The conductor rushed back to him and told him, not to worry, we know who you are. You, you, you don't have to worry, I'm sure you bought a ticket. And that's when Dr. Einstein replied, young man, I, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going. <laughs> Having said all of that, Billy Graham continued, you see this suit that I'm wearing today? It's brand new. My children and my grandchildren are telling me that I have gotten a little slovenly in my old age. I used to be more fastidious. So I went out and I bought a new suit for this luncheon and for one more occasion. Do you know what that occasion is? This is the suit in which I will be buried. But when you hear that I'm dead, I don't want you to remember the suit that I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I also know where I am going. Amen? Do you know where you're going? If you should die tonight, and you stood before God's great throne of judgment, and he asked you, why should I let you come into my kingdom? And you say, well, I'm a member of Valley Creek Church, and I've been a member of First Baptist Church, and I've been a member of this organization, I've been a member of that organization, I've done all kinds of wonderful, good, positive things, and God will say, well, that's good, but I want the bottom line answer. That is that I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I know that He has washed me by His blood, and I've asked for His forgiveness as you do in your service, and I, I am so happy you do that. Do it in your service. It is so important. And if you're not sure and you're here today, you can talk to me, you can talk to Pastor Nick, but we're here to offer you the greatest adventure going in Jesus Christ. And so I close. It's in your sheet. Is the sermon ever done? Never. You say, oh, don't keep on preaching, Pastor. <laughs> the late came, a comer came to church, and he asked the pastor, he said, is the sermon done yet? The pastor responded, well, the sermon has been preached. It remains to be done, you see. After the pastor has preached the sermon, the work of the church begins, folks. Our minds have been nurtured and instructed. Our souls have been nurtured. Our emotions have been stirred. When we pass beyond these four walls of this church building, we face a different environment. We face a different air. We breathe a different air. We can then no longer be passive. We are called to act. And we should act in accordance to the knowledge of our Lord's will and what he desires for us to do in each of our lives. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you have spoken to us today by your word, 
And by your Holy Spirit, touch us and renew us and continue to renew us in you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.